Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 137 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I am your friend, Andy Stewart. How are you? Okay, thank you. Yeah, how are you? I uh, saw on the grapevine on social media yesterday that you had a Saturday to forget, so I hope your Sunday's doing better. Oh, yeah, I bust a tyre and then I bust my jeans. These two things happened in relatively quick succession, so I was... Essentially, towards the end of the day, just standing in the street screaming at the moon. Yeah, I mean, and also, yeah, I'm glad that you clarified that the burst tire and the burst trousers didn't happen in the same incident. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been walking around with a burst in my trousers at that point that I burst the tire. I, I, I can't really speak to that in any certainty. But, okay, right, sure. Um, I, I didn't actually notice it until I was having my dinner a couple of hours later. So See, it's, okay. it's quite possible that I was sat in the tyre repair place, man-spreading, <laughs> and giving a glimpse of boxer, or, God forbid, scrotum. Yeah, oh, Jesus, God, yeah. Uh, that's that's the uh, that's the worst-case scenario. Mm. But what I will say is, if I was showing any scrotum, the man in the tyre repair place was a consummate professional. Rode that out like a fucking champ. <laughs> Good um, work, quick fit. <laughs> Other garages are available, but maybe less comfortable with nudity. <laughs> yeah, wow, okay. Uh, watching stuff this week at all? A uh, couple of things, not much, not much, but um, as of today, if you're listening on release day, St. Maud is kind of finally out in the world properly. Because it did have a kind of limited cinema release for a very short period of time when people were allowed back in cinemas. Yeah, I kind of feel for films with uh, theatrical releases this year because for the times that films have been able to kind of limp into cinemas, it's a shame that more people... Because, I mean, even though you can go back to cinemas, a lot of people still aren't comfortable with that, which I get. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's cool that it's out there because, uh, yeah, I caught this at Frankfurt Glasgow almost a year ago now. Um, I liked it quite a lot, but I know that it's been on your list pretty much since then. So Mm -hmm. have you gotten around to checking it out then? Yes, I have, yeah. I picked up the Studio Canal Blu-ray, which will be out today. Okay. And yeah, I, I really liked it. I, mm-hmm. did, I really, really liked it. But I'm not entirely sure it's deserving of all the best horror of the year plaudits. Well, see, I liked it a lot as well. Um, and it's very much my kind of thing in terms of like its pace and the way it's put together and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> and I liked it quite a lot. But you might remember that it wasn't in my five or my ten for 2020. And a couple of people did tweet in and say, oh, did you not see St. Maud? And I was like, oh, no, I did see it. And I thought it was really good. But like, yeah, I would say that it exists just outside the like darling kind of uh, reception that it's getting. Yeah, I that was the... I, I don't know, I think I'd built it up in my head to be something more. Um, it is very good. It is, like, I it mean, is it's, really don't good. get me wrong, it's a really good film. It's really well made. The, the performance from Moffat Clark's phenomenal. And for a, what I believe might be a debut feature mm-hmm. is also pretty great. But, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I just I, I felt like it... It's the hype train thing again. Sometimes... 
it pulls you right into the station and were you on a replacement hype bus service <laughs> yes i was yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah destination unknown oh my goodness yeah um, but no, no I, I really really liked it but I, I just didn't think it was as scary as i was led to believe it would be or this kind of shining peak for british horror that it was kind of held up to be um don't get me wrong it's a really great film but yeah i was just left a little bit cold on it as a horror film or as a horror mm, okay. experience that makes um, sense i guess as a kind of examination of somebody's psychological unraveling it's very strong yeah absolutely and like i say out there now from studio canal yeah yes it is yeah anything else to say to side quests uh, not really. A couple, a couple of little bits and bobs here and there, um, but nothing that I'm really wanting to get into on this forum. Okay, I caught a few things this week. I want to touch very quickly on a couple that you've already discussed on prior episodes, although they were a very long time ago. Oh, okay. But I'm just kind of like trying to catch up on things that I've been meaning to get to for a while. On the strength of having really liked Under the Shadow, I watched Babak and Vadi's Wounds. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked about this a little, quite a long time ago. I know a lot of people like it. I didn't like it. This stars Dakota Johnson and blood-hungry devil man Army Hammer. Yeah, exactly. So that episode was a couple of years ago. So for anyone that doesn't remember, um, Wounds is about a guy who works in a bar. After a kind of scuffle in that bar, a phone is left behind. He takes the phone home and starts to get these increasingly weird messages. And things kind of just surrealize outwards from there. I don't like this either. Um, I thought it was really, really boring. I thought that it kind of wimped out of trying to really resolve its central mystery in any kind of like interesting factual way. Yeah. Um, and I also thought, I, I, like, I don't mind Dakota Johnson in this, I think she's doing fine for all that she's given to do, but um, Army Hammer, I felt like I was looking at wallpaper. Yeah, bland, bland, bland. The most uh, interesting thing about Army Hammer is his text conversations. Absolutely, and not the text conversations that he's having in this film. <laughs> 100%. Uh, yeah, I thought this was really, really dry. I, I, I really didn't like it at all. I just couldn't find an entry point with it at all. Um, it just didn't work for me in the way that Under the Shadow did. However, what did work for me was Nacho Vigalondo's Colossal. Ah, oh, finally. Yeah, I've been telling you to watch Colossal for yonks. You have. Yeah, it's been on Netflix for like two years. Um, <laughs> and uh, I saw it there and I was like, right, it's time. And yeah, I really liked it. I was kind of texting you while I was watching it and I was like, oh, this is quite a fun ride. And then after like an hour, I was like, oh, no, it isn't. Yeah, no, it gets it gets a little bit darker as it progresses. Yeah, it's very cool, I think, that people like Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis are the stars of something that goes so hard into kind of dark territory. It kind of feels to me, to monster movies, what Ruby Sparks was to rom-coms. Right, okay. In that it kind of like, market, <laughs> like it packages itself as being this very wholesome thing, but does venture into weirdly dark territory by its own sta- by its own kind of subgenre standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So dug that quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, Colossal, it's on Netflix now if you haven't seen it, but I feel like I'm like the last person in the world who hasn't. On a newer kind of tip, I checked out Samuel Gridley's Criminal Edition on uh, Amazon Prime right. this week. This was a festival selection from a couple of years ago. I think it just recently landed on Prime in the last few months. It is a film, it's kind of like a, th- a thriller, like a one-location dream piece crime thriller about this company who hire kind of poor or desperate people to take the fall for rich people's crimes. Oh, right, okay. And that's that's kind of basically the premise. I think that the less you know going in, the better. This was kind of obviously made for not a great deal of money, but is really cool and really smart and really funny and pleasantly nasty. 
I like this quite a bit. Uh, so that's on Amazon Prime. That's Samuel Gridley's Criminal Edition. And finally, nipped onto the Arrow channel this week and checked out John Adams and Toby Poser's The Deeper You Dig. Ah, see, I, I, I bought the, the Blu-ray of this just a, a few weeks ago when it came out. and uh, Yeah, I, I, I quite like it. Yeah, I thought this was pretty cool. So um, your kind of three main players in this are a mother, her kind of adolescent teenage daughter and the person who kills her. Yeah, parents and daughter, by the way, in real life. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. That's yeah. that's that that is interesting. Um, and yeah, again, I think that that's kind of all you need to know going in. I think that this is a really cool piece on like guilt and things like that, mm-hmm. and unraveling mental states in the aftermath of the horrific thing that happens at the start of this film. Also, when things that are telling a story this simple start to go as surreal as this one does, it's normally a point where I start to check out. And with this, I found myself getting more on board with it when that happened, mm-hmm. which is kind of like I said, uncommon for me, but I thought it was actually really interesting. And by the time it got to the end, I was like absolutely kind of riveted by it. I thought it was cracking. Uh, so yeah, the deeper you dig, it is on the Arrow channel now. I guess the Arrow player as of today. Yeah, get it, get it watched. It is really good, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. Yeah. Nature Gone Wild. Ugh. I don't know why I did this, right? But I, I, <laughs> I took a recommendation from Stevie Reeve. That's always risky because I feel like I feel like his recommendations are sirens. I get that. I get that. Quite often, I mean, the the man's an unrepentant cinephile, right? Yes. To, to a, a, a remarkable degree. So quite often, unlike you, anyone else I know, I think. Oh no, no, I've never met anyone quite like him. Sometimes Stevie will give you a recommendation, and you know it's going to be dynamite. Like if it's coming off the back of a film festival that he's been to. But when it comes to things like this, and of late, <laughs> I, I feel like it's a riskier proposition. And yeah, he had sent me a a, a DM on Twitter with okay. a poster for a film, uh, and he said that he was planning on getting getting it watched i don't know if he did i don't know if he did get around to it but i certainly watched it and i think that might have been a mistake okay okay tell me more so we're back to 2014 for the jungle okay okay so uh, i understand which kind of field we're in of nature going wild but uh yeah tell me how we expand yeah so the jungle is a story of these two brothers who head off on this kind of conservation mission into the jungles of indonesia uh, on a mission to save this endangered Javanese leopard. Okay, sure. Very few leopards in the film, I have to say. I uh, don't recall actually seeing <laughs> any. So a lot of kind of tracks and sim- signs that a leopard might be around. But as they're kind of going okay. through the jungle, they realise that there's something bigger hunting them. Spoiler alert. Right. It's a big, daft-looking monster that just keeps jump-scaring towards the end of the film. But a, a, a crucial omission to my, my synopsis here. This is a found footage film. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, that is crucial. We get a lot of just wandering aimlessly through the jungle. And then, of course, we get a big scary face popping into the camera right at the end of the film. <sighs> this what was else? boring as fuck. Like, it's like 84 minutes and I was bored out of my mind. That does sound terrible, I must say. It's not good. It's not good at all. Um, just quickly check it on IMDb. It's got 3.4. Um, okay, great. I'm feeling like you think that might be generous. Yeah, I I didn't like this at all. I really didn't. Mm, okay, this was bland. Get a low as fuck. point in the quest, would you say? Oh, aye. Uh huh. And do you know, I, I fully blame Stevie. To be fair, Stevie hadn't seen it. Well, he might have seen it now, um, and if he has, <laughs> he's kept pretty quiet about it. And I can see why, because to be honest, it's so boring that it doesn't really merit talking about. Oh well. In that case, we shall talk about it no more. 
Not great. Okay. Bit annoyed. (laughs) Feeling very personally attacked, (laughs) victimised. There's better bad monster films out there than, than this. I'm, I'm certain that there are. Uh, in that case, then, perhaps we should uh, motor on. Yeah. What have they been saying? They've been saying plenty on the feedback this week, and perhaps unsurprisingly, it has largely been on the subject of Body Melt, the subject of this week's main episode. An Andy vs. Mitch episode, and uh, yes, one of your selections, and it's fair to say one that uh, went down less well with me. I have to say, one of your selections said with no small measure of vitriol, there, that was kind of spat out. <laughs> yeah, it's not often that you get that. I think that I think that I am quite happy to admit it's the most identifiably rattled that I've ever sounded on any recording ever. Yeah, upon re-listen, because I do re-listen, I, I did uh-huh. notice that you were just hammering through. You were like, "Let's get this fucking film out of the way, out of, out of mind." And gone. I, wasn't, I, I wasn't necessarily trying to race through it. I just found myself with very little to say, I think. Um, <laughs> once I kind of reiterated the handful of things that I liked and the many things that I disliked. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, this announcement last week was met with uh, the kind of requisite level of divisive opinions. But Chris Salt simply said, can't wait to hear poor bewildered Mitch's take on body melt. Yeah, Chris kind of playing his cards close to his chest there on his opinion. Uh, Keen O'Brien, not so, saying uh, an episode on Body Melt is a cause for celebration. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, uh, <laughs> Fee Bunny as well on Twitter, Carpenter is God. Um, she got in touch. She hadn't seen this and just said, holy shit, is that Harold Bishop? You, of course, answered in the affirmative. And she said, being the neighbours connoisseur, an addict that I am, I have no choice but to get this watched. So uh, curious to know how that turned out. <laughs> Chelsea Burden at Chelsea V says uh, this film fucked me up so much when I saw it as a kid babysitter double build it with Portergeist 3 and I was never the same after that there you go a strong language violent scenes doubler aha yeah eerily prophetic also of course that fucked you up when you were a kid Jesus Christ it <laughs> fucked me up as a 34 year old watching it for the first time <laughs> Uh, Laura Bynan got in touch on Body Melt just to say, never saw Body Melt, think after Street Trash, I figured nothing would reach those uh, heights, but I think I'll check it out now, probably appreciate as I do like a good gloopy mess sometimes. Ah, fair news, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, if you do, Laura, I'd be curious to know what you think. Uh, Dan Popomatic on Twitter was more Team Mitch in this one. I enjoyed oh. the gore effects, Harold Bishop, and how daft the whole thing was, but it was just nasty for the sake of it, which I don't always have a problem with, but just left me a bit meh this time. So Dan kind of mirrored, in my opinion, kind of to the letter on that one, I would say. Yeah, and I don't know if you've noticed it, but a few times since we did the episode, I have thrown my hands up to that and kind of conceded the point that it is nasty for nasty's sake. But uh-huh. I, 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 in fairness, I think, to give you your due, I don't think that you were ever kidding on that it was anything other than that. No, 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 no. But I do think there's some fun to be had. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, our old pal Lauren Ashley Carter, Davison LAC on Twitter, can't wait for the MB trademark catchphrase, uh-huh, uh-huh, sure, which I did say quite a bit. Yeah, you do You do say that Yeah, when I, when I tend to be off on one. Yes, uh, that's very true. Another past guest, Sam Ashurst, at Sam Ashurst, got in touch. Very effusive here. I'm so psyched for this one. Normally I save these for my daily government sanctioned walks, but the question is, can I wait that long to listen to who else but Mitch experiencing Harold Bishop's finest 81 minutes for the first time? The answer is no. No, I cannot. I'm going in now. I don't think we heard back. Perhaps he's just lost in a body melt loop. Maybe, yeah. I'd be curious to know how that turned out. Perhaps he's in phase one. Yeah, maybe... Um, do you have anything else in body melt before we move on? A couple of things. Uh, Hanny, at Hanny underscore Ray, getting in touch to say Mitch's disgust and Andy's jovial acceptance of it are a delight. 
that's a review to put in the poster yeah <laughs> and kevin matthews that saltired popcorn saying damn it this is the film i always think i've seen when i am in fact thinking about street trash see i told you there's a lot of similarities in there a lot absolutely um, yeah I look forward to checking this out very soon. A great discussion, though, as ever. Uh, moving elsewhere, I just want to say hello to a couple of people. Uh, Stevie, we mentioned him earlier. However, he will not be doling out any uh, recommendations of shite for the next little while. Mm, yeah, yeah. Nothing nothing shite coming from... Well, there, there might be something shite, but it's going to be certainly of a different flavour because Stevie will be remotely taking in a lot of the offerings at Glasgow Film Festival. Yeah, he got in touch to say this much on Twitter and did say that he's leaving the keys uh, to the bottom of the cinema barrel in the safe hands of the Musketeers of Shite. <laughs> God help you all in the chud locker, is all I can say. Absolutely. I also want to say a quick hello to uh, Kinell getting in touch on Facebook. Now, he has sworn on the chud locker that he is going to drag everyone kicking and screaming away from Amazon Prime and to Tubi, which he claims is the kind of real golden zone for garbage. <laughs> And he has been kind of stating his case off and on through the week, uh, at one point highlighting a film called Vacuum Killer. Brilliant. And in this instance, a film from 2003 called Rectuma. Okay, do we know anything about that? I have a synopsis. Okay. Um, an American man infected by a Mexican butt-humping frog returns to Los Angeles where his rear end grows to 20 feet and frames him for murders. Right, wow. Okay, that sounds amazing. <laughs> he hadn't fed back um, at a time ago in the press um, so when he does you'll be the first to know that's about my lot do you have anything else? Uh, yeah just the one thing but I do want to say keep your eyes peeled here for some Glasgow Film Festival stuff as well yeah we'll be putting together some coverage of some description for that the particulars of that will be announcing very soon yeah absolutely so the last thing I have here before we move on is Chris Skelp got in touch with us about returning the kill tomatoes Mm-hmm. Just saying, watched this last night. What an absolute blast. Although my other half, who doesn't really like genre films, came into the room at the title card for big-breasted girls go to the beach and take their tops off, and she now has a very low opinion of strong language violent scenes and the type of films that they promote. <laughs> I think that you're painting with very broad strokes there. I think that's also very unfortunate timing, because she's probably walked in it in what is, in fairness, the least wholesome moment. In Return of the Killer Tomatoes, which I think is otherwise a very PG film to a large extent. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. And also, not even close to the worst film that we've promoted on this show. Oh god, no. No. Tip of the fucking iceberg. We just did an episode on Body Melt. Yeah, exactly. Aha, uh-huh, yeah. Chris, if that was kind of like enough to kind of raise some eyebrows, then do not push that issue any further. No, no. Uh, we could certainly provide a list of titles that we would recommend avoiding <laughs> yes absolutely we'd be very happy to do that if uh, if it kind of like if it keeps your relationship on an even keel <laughs> <laughs> we'd be happy to step in and do that for you um, that is my lot for feedback do you have anything else no I don't know in that case <laughs> It is, once again, time then for Mitch's Pitches. Now, Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and leave only the image. It will fall to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis. We'll also share that everywhere so you guys can join in as well. So this past week, we did have a pretty good one. Um, a good find, Corpse Eaters. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Which uh, was reappropriated by me as a possible repeat murders and acquisitions, how to eat brains and eviscerate people. Nobody has gotten back to say that that's a repeat, and I have chosen not to check. Fair. 
So we have a lot of pitches this week. I want to say hello to CP Buckley, uh, who got in touch this week. Uh, we did question last week whether or not the hard maniverse that he is building oh, yeah. um, is governed by a spreadsheet. He says there is no spreadsheet, just lots and lots of coffee and iron brew. Oh, delicious. And on the subject of uh, Dick himself, an accident in the Zombie Inc. headquarters accidentally unleashes a deadly zombifying virus on the world. Now, three weeks later, only a handful of survivors remain. As the few remaining living in Taunton, Somerset, try to find a better place to make their way to London, only to find the city is overrun. However, while they're there, they meet up with another group of survivors, led by Herman Hardon, one-time companion of Dick Hardman. Hardman and Hardon? <laughs> yes, the very same. Wow. Now the survivors must try to find a new life and avoid the dangerous rape parties that are roaming the land, all while trying to get to Zombie Inc. to find a cure. But all may not be as it seems, with Zombie Inc. and its CEO, Herman Badman. <laughs> I feel like he's phoning, feel like he's phoning these names in a little bit. It's a nineteen eighty seven zombie spin off the hard on factor, zombie infestation. Right, okay. You know how we discussed that the uh zombie in the kind of main crux of this image was attired similarly to me? Yeah, wearing your exact wardrobe, yes. Yes. Okay. So uh people took that and ran with it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> So, not too key in. Young women are turning up devoured in the parks around Glasgow. The few survivors eyewitness reports say that attacker was a man-possessed, sporting luscious black hair and a blazer with a sultry voice that could only belong to a master podcaster. Who could the culprit be? Who else but Mitch? Would a team of experts from the Vatican be able to exercise the demons within him before all of Scotland falls prey to him? Find out in 1978's legendary Bainsploitation picture, Season of the Mitch, rated 18 for strong language and violent scenes. Uh, All all resemblance to real people, either living or dead, purely coincidental. Very good, Gian, very clever. That was good. Yeah, I like that. Uh, In a similar vein... Uh, James Patrick Duffy, an undead but still stylish Mitch Bain, wreaks havoc on the female population of small Yorkshire town Tickles Humping after disgruntled delivery driver Billy, not Rab, finally cracks after months of delivering nothing to the winners of Mitch's pitches and places a curse on the whole damn show and any goddamn fool connected with it. Will anyone be able to stop the zombified leader of the now unrelenting Chud Army, or will it be the end of society as we know it? The debut Amazon Prime original release from Stevie Reeve. <laughs> Congratulations to this week's winners. You've won death. <laughs> Faye Ellis, then. Wow, okay. Jessica was a girl who just wanted a poop. <laughs> Being a high-profile businesswoman, she had little time for such things. Deciding she may be able to pull it off, she multitasked by writing her weekly shopping list while also dropping the kids off at the pool. Jessica gave it her all. It was at this time she noticed something was off. Her suery offerings were much more painful than usual. Jessica was on her... <laughs> Jessica was, to her surprise, shitting out people. Now her boyfriend Herman must save her as her human feces threatened to pull slash drive her round the U-Bend. <laughs> in this 1982 classic Toilet Tomb. Goodness gracious, that's th- that's dirty. That's an enormous extrapolation. Yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's wild. James Rodriguez. On his never-ending quest to watch the worst films nobody knows about, cinephile Reavy Steve discovers an unknown <laughs> film on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> After a look through IMDb and Letterboxd, that appears to have no online presence, so Reavy intends to be the first person to watch it. The ensuing feature is a white screen with a red border. <laughs> <laughs> and the dreadful sounds of Sting playing over it. This is too much for any sane person, causing Reavy to have blank eyes, a thirst for blood, and to suddenly wear a dapper suit jacket. As the other men in his house get infected, they feast upon anyone that crosses their paths. Don't miss 1972's grisly feature, The House That Streamed. Oh, okay. Liking that a lot, must say. I'm going to shout out to Guy Harvey Reeford, who wrote in something that made me laugh very much on the Judd Locker, but is also extremely offensive. 
so people can go check that out on their own time. Kevin Matthews, during lockdown, the evil Pam Foe, along with her five sisters, decide to wreak revenge on all of the men who have taken advantage of their alone time to see how much onanism they can engage in. It's a stiff problem for which they have a sticky solution. They send a virus through the screens, turning every red-blooded male into a male craving red blood. Oh, okay. <laughs> Young Jack Kinoff, very good, tries to resist temptation despite his growing fondness for finger food due to his hand fetish, but it's not long before he's chasing down women and trying to get their hands in his mouth in the 2015 comedy A Quick One Off The Wrist. <laughs> <laughs> Moving to Twitter, Kinnell, the sleepy hamlet of Ferret's Winkle is under siege from hordes <laughs> of mutated zombies attacking the monster-drinking death metal enthusiast teenagers in the local graveyard in 1992's Ferret's Mutants Eight Goths. <laughs> Jesus Christ uh, Hanny underscore Ray The Young Lawyers Society annual dinner dance Is ruined when society chairman Bud Sucker Reveals the vampiric nature of he and his fellow board members Cue an onset of mayhem, bloodshed And inexplicable arson in Bloodsucker's ball Right, okay Cosmic Ray Girl on Twitter It's 1994's Semi Terry He's almost ready to go <laughs> Um, Bill Carr, undead Graham and his smart casual zombie mates are hanging out in the park biting ladies' arms when to their horror a bushfire breaks out. They burn to ashes. The ladies escape and form a successful vocal group in the Atomic Kitten story. <laughs> and uh, just for taking one small detail and extrapolating on it, I want to shout out to Mark Davies on Facebook, the interdimensional chaos-inducing red-rimmed white box of death. <laughs> See how it bends reality, causing the ravenous dead to come back to life. Experience its unparalleled fear, resulting in terror and fainting of women. Its motivation is unknown, it leaves only madness and chaos in its wake. Coming soon to a theatre near you, White Polygon. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is rated R for red-rimmed cruelty. <laughs> Well, that made things bunch. very easy for me because the winner of the best picks is Mark Davies. Yes, I would say that's fair. White Polygon, Mark Davies is the winner. Best character name? Oh, best character was a toss-up between Semi, Terry, which sounds like a Garbage Pail Kid, like a really, really dodgy Garbage Pail Kid where the card was withdrawn from circulation almost immediately. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, fair. the fictional town of Ferret's Winkle. Okay, we can call that a draw if you want. Let's do that. Let's do it. Let's just call it a draw. Everyone gets nothing. Okay, so that is uh, Mark, Alexis, and Kinnell. Big well done to the three of you. You're Wonderful. all winning a whole load of nothing. Excellent work, guys. Thank you. That was great. So, my turn. Ready? Yeah, let's do it. Here you go. Quite a simple image this week. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, not a massive amount to describe here. Mm-hmm. Um, a good one, though. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Okay, so the uh, background to this image is kind of um, a purple or violet, mm-hmm. but there's no border. And it looks like we are kind of our kind of main tableau is a fancy table. It's got a white tablecloth on it and uh, it's a fancy serving dish with one of those things. It's not a fork, is it, when it's only got two prongs? What do you call that? I think you can call it a fork still. I think it's, I think as long as it's got more than one tine or prong, I think it's, uh, I think you can call it a fork. Okay, happy with that. Okay, in that case, we have a fork and a knife which have uh, wooden handles and kind of like what looks like kind of either glass or steel on the end of them. They look like bone handles, if I'm honest with you. Oh, do you reckon? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. well, I'm happy to go with that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, this is fancy. We also got um, two silver candles, or at least candle stands with white candles on them. They're both lit on either side of a large silver serving dish, which has got loads of different fruit on it. I can see some strawberries on there, some grapes, some apples. Oranges. Kiwi. Kiwi on there as well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and perhaps most strikingly, a brunette woman's head. Yeah. Uh, she's looking directly into camera and screaming. 
She's she in is. a state of some distress. I would say that that is absolutely fair to say. Um, I think that that's actually the main crux of it, actually. Caucasian, dark-haired, brown-eyed woman screams directly into camera, probably because she has been decapitated and her head is on a, a lushly decorated serving dish full of fruit on a candle-laden table with a white tablecloth on it. Cutlery also included. Yeah, I think you've pretty much got it all there. Yeah, I think so. I will, of course, though. Need a minute. Then a minute you shall have. It's weird that that's all you would serve. Yes, that is going to factor in. Oh, is it? All right, okay. Because, I mean, all that fruit is presumably just for picking at, but the head doesn't seem to be prepared in any way. So, presumably, with that cutlery that's sat there, you're just going to dig in, like, just chop into it. But then I'm thinking, there's a lot of hair there. Like, having a hair in your mouth is one of the most annoying things that can happen to you, especially if you can't quite... Yeah, it's minging. You know, like... When it's on your tongue and you're like scraping your tongue on your teeth and you're trying to just like, ah, yeah, you're just trying to get a, a purchase on the hair to remove it. Eating a big portion yep. of hair, I can't imagine is much fun. No, I would say that, that would be rotten. Yeah. Um. And then you need to crack into the skull like a coconut. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like it's not the most, like the fruit looks good, but it's not an appetizing dish overall, I wouldn't say. <laughs> no, it's not going to get through to the final of the Great British menu. Absolutely not. No, definitely not. However, I, I think I'm ready. It could also be a novelty cake, like a very accomplished novelty cake. I suppose so, yeah. If, uh, if this was a cake boss thing, different question entirely. Yeah, amazing. Dig in. Absolutely. However, yeah, I think I've got something here. Cool, let's do it. Okay, it's the most exciting day on the calendar in the sleepy town of Furry Kiwi, Nebraska. <laughs> the regional quarterfinals of the Entrees, Sorbets and Canapes Bake Off. Aspiring chef Sally Figgs is determined to advance this year with her new and improved mixed fruit dish, but upon arrival at the contest, is awash with intimidation at the ever-increasing standards of competition and cutthroat atmosphere. Stricken, she enlists the help of mad scientist and part-time food critic Hercule Slates, and enhances her dish with his unique and untouchable strain of genetically modified grapes and pineapples. With Sally breezing the competition and being hailed inexplicably by the local press as the underdog tale of the century, her competition are mad and the knives are out. Can Sally save herself and safeguard her secret, or will she too be sliced and diced? Find out in 1992's horror comedy, Fruit Sally, No Entree, No Escape. <laughs> that was pretty good, I especially like the entrees, canopies, and... Uh, oh, uh, the entrees, sorbets, and canopies. Yeah, I thought that was very clever. Well done. Thanks very much. I quite like that one, I must say. And also, the, like, just like the second that you sent me the image, I was like, ah, Fruit Sally. Brilliant. Thanks very much. I, I must admit, I was happier with that one. I feel like I've been lagging a little bit this year, so I'm glad I'm starting to pull the average up. However, I'm guessing that I am swinging a little bit wild with this. So what is it? What's it about? And who's synopsizing? What year did you say? 92. 92. Well, I can tell you that the year was 1973. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and the film is Freddie Francis's... Tales that witness madness. Tales that witness madness. Okay, yeah. excellent. Uh, who's synopsizing this one? Well, I can't tell you because I don't know. Uh, because ah. it doesn't say. They, oh they, right, they okay. I was having an anonymous special. Yeah, yeah, but I can tell you a bit about it. Okay, go on. In a late night meeting at his modern asylum, Doctor Tremaine receives visiting colleague Nicholas and recounts the histories of four unusual patients whose cases he has solved. Ooh, an anthology. It is an anthology. It's a 
directed by Freddie Francis, who just a couple of years before, in fact, maybe even a year before this, directed Tales from the Crypt. Oh, okay, cool. Have you seen this? Yeah, it's it's, it's okay. It's not like it's not like Tales from the Crypt good in terms of like anarchist anthologies. Yeah, I mean, you're setting a high bar there, in fairness. Yeah. That concludes Mitch's Pitches for this week, though. That image is everywhere. If you want to get in touch, then we'll tell you how you can do that at the end of the show. Uh, again, high bar for this week, but we'd love to see you try it, Top It. Absolutely, please do. Streaming platforms for this week then. First to the 7th of February. Uh, we've got on Amazon Prime on Monday, so today we've got The Haunting in Connecticut. All oh, right, okay. In order to help their son recover, the Campbell family moves to upstate Connecticut, but they soon discover that their new Victorian abode has a disturbing history and is haunted. Um, also on Monday, a film that we've previously covered on the show way back in episode 7 with Graham Skipper, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Oh. Uh, jumping ahead to Friday the 5th, we've got Joe Bigos's Bliss. Oh, cool. So um, if you don't have Shudder, you've got an opportunity to catch this now. In need of creative inspiration, a professionally stagnant and hard-partying Los Angeles artist named Desi Donahue recklessly indulges in a series of drug binges. As the narcotics fly out of control, so does her newfound and inexplicable, unquenchable craving for blood. Yeah. Sky Cinema then Saturday 6th we've got villains. After a pair of amateur robbers break into a large house, they find a dark secret being kept by the house owners and find themselves trapped. This stars Bill Skarsgård and Micah Monroe. Yep. Netflix then on Monday the 1st got a few things, so that's today. Uh, Snakes on a Plane. (laughs) (laughs) Have not seen this in years. Tasked with flying a murder witness to Los Angeles, a badass FBI agent, Samuel L. Jackson, has to battle a horde of venomous snakes unleashed mid-flight. Classic. Absolute genius B-movie. As I recall, I feel like it's probably not aged that well, but I will watch it back at some point, I'm almost sure. Also on Monday, we've got The Pact. Feeling obligated to return home for the funeral of the mother she despised, Annie soon senses an evil presence in their childhood home. Yeah, this is just fine. I agree. There's a sequel to that somewhere in the world. There is, yeah. Yeah, wild. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but... Uh, yeah, that, I think that came out around about 2012. That's available now. Uh, also available now, and very difficult not to shout this for the pick this week, I must say, John McPhail's Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh, excellent. A group of plucky musical high school students stab, slash, and sing their way through a zombie apocalypse in small town Scotland at Christmas time. If you don't know anything about that film by now, you have not been listening to this podcast for very long. Yeah, th- this is great. Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Wednesday the 3rd then, also on Netflix then, All My Friends Are Dead. A group of friends at a New Year's Eve party go through a whirlwind of events that exposes secrets, breaks hearts and leads to a shocking outcome. Shudder then, on Monday we've got The Queen of Black Magic. Not to be confused with The Queen of Black Magic, which came on last week. Whoa, I'll explain. That, that, not to be confused with that, but that is extremely confusing. Yes, a woman is accused of being a witch and thrown to her death over a cliff. A strange man rescues her, nurses her back to health, and tells her she must master black magic in order to exact revenge on her tormentors. Now, this is an Indonesian film from 1981, and it was the inspiration for The Queen of Black Magic from Kimo Stambul, which arrived on the platform last uh... week. I think it's very cool that they have both of these, actually. Yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like them to do that with Satan's Slaves as well. Oh, that would be cool, yeah. So Tuesday 2nd, we've got Headcount. Newcomer Evan joins a group of teens on a getaway in Joshua Tree. While exchanging ghost stories around the campfire, Evan reads aloud a mysterious chant from an internet site. From that moment, someone or something is among them. This synopsis puts me off a little bit, but I feel like I should be less snobby about tech horrors. Yeah, and if this is the one I'm thinking of, apparently it's quite good. Uh, yeah, if this is the one that's been on Netflix for a little while, mm. I think that yeah, I think that we were talking about putting on the wheel of names for a watch along, and a couple of people were like, "Hang on a minute, this is actually pretty good." Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And to wrap up Thursday the fourth, a nightmare wakes while composing her famous novel Frankenstein. 
Mary Shelley descends into an opium-fueled fever dream while carrying on a torrid love affair with Percy Shelley. Interesting. Yeah, so that's your lot for this week. I can't see past Anne and the Apocalypse for a pick. I think I would be cheating myself and John if I didn't pick it this week, given how much I've stumped for it over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm going to say Anne and the Apocalypse, but I guess if you want something a bit darker than that, then I would say check out Bliss. 100% great from great selection this week in fairness just across the board mm. so turning our attentions to this week's show then and we do have a guest this Friday wow another one of those another guest there. Eh? yeah so if you're paying attention at the top of the show you may have heard me talking about the film Criminal Edition uh, that is no coincidence I checked this out this week because joining us this week is the writer and director of that film Mr Samuel Gridley yeah and I'm pretty excited about this I'm not going to lie and I'm sure you, you know why I'm excited uh, we're going back to 1986 and it's Jim Winoski's Chopping Mall now I feel like we've come close to having this on before yeah, a couple of people have kind of danced around Chopping Mall and I've been sat with my fingers crossed. But it's finally happening. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's been on lists a couple of times. But Chopping Mall is happening. If you want to check it out in advance of the episode, then uh, you can get it on Amazon Prime in the UK. That's absolutely right, yes. But yeah, that's all you need to know for this week. We're joined by Samuel Gridley, the writer and director of Criminal Audition, to talk Chopping Mall. If you want to get in touch and let us know what you think about that and everything else we've been talking about today, there's loads of ways you can do that. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC, email Scenes at gmail.com, or join the conversation on our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. And check out Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Strong Language Violent Scenes. Content coming very soon. Absolutely, yeah, more stuff heading your way very soon indeed. Also, need to get a watch along in the diary as well. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get a watch along in place. And let's, with, by the way, I've, I've got to say, a lot of people have been sending in listeners' choice suggestions. We haven't forgotten about that. In fact, we're going we're gonna to put the pedal to the metal and get that organised as well. Absolutely, that'll be coming this month. Right, cool, brilliant. I'm going to hold you to that. Oh god, I've made a run from my own back there, haven't I? Um, we will, however, be back this Friday talking Chopping Mall with Samuel Gridley. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye! You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 